Hey everyone, it's Matt. Thank you for joining us for session two of the Crystal Codex. As with all new podcasts, we have some bugs to work out, so you might notice some audio issues in this episode. We're working to address them going forward as we get better and better at this. Now, back to the show. We are the 12-sided guys. We have Matt. Hi. Scott. Hey. Jordan. Salutations. Sabrina. Hey there. And I'm Paul. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our adventure. Uh, uh, let me start over again. I'll, no, let me... start over again. That was perfect. <laughs> Especially if we all laugh at you. <laughs> uh, okay. And if the only opera you know starts with Oh Maria, Oh Maria, and has lines like Oh My Hero, So Far Away Now, then this adventure is for you. Join us in the Crystal Codex, Episode 2. We see a young mustachioed man in a pleasant room in one of the nicer inns in the town of Tabury, uh, with a bag slung over his shoulder as he sits at a desk. He is in the process of writing a letter. Dear Mother, it's been about a year since I've written you. I'm on a job back in Tabury. Feels like forever since I've walked the muddy streets of my hometown. My current bounty is to find an heir to the old Everlyn Royal line. The Empire showed up searching for him as well. If I find the heir first, I get paid, but those damn Imperials will pose a threat. I followed a lead on some rebels writing anti-Imperial propaganda and met Pine, an old soldier, E.B. Well, I can't really call him a person. Um, I think he's Pine's pet project. I also met Nari. Mom, she's the tallest woman I have ever met. Back to my job. The Empire arrived here in Tabury searching for Pine and Eby, I think. And I couldn't turn them in because I was with them and it would have implicated me in the crime. This led me to finding you in the stocks outside the old castle. The Imperials started putting citizens there and threatened to hang people unless we, they could root out the author of these letters. I convinced them to free you for me as a sign of goodwill. Anyway, we're leaving the city to find the rebel group, the Fallen Heaven. I think that's where the heir of the Everlyn Royal line is hiding. From there, I need to find this heir before the Empire does. Hopefully, they don't put up a fight when I turn on my new friends to collect this bounty. Look, Mom, I'm sorry I haven't kept in better touch. I do need to tell you that I found Kira. No, 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 that's not right. I collected the bounty on her. Ah, shit, I can't write this letter. And we see Roos crumple up the letter and toss it in the corner as he leaves the room. Okay, that brings us now to where we left off last time. You have just left the city of Tabri as you head north into the Misty Wood and towards Mount Tabor, which is really the only lead you have from Adjudicator Rolf uh, as to where the fallen heaven is believed to be. Um, and where uh, potentially this heir of the old Everlyn royal line is. So you are heading out into the city, out of the city, out into the woods. You've been walking for a few hours. You left right around two o'clock in the afternoon or so. So it's starting to get a little bit dark and nights have been getting colder and colder as you are in the um, kind of the, the middle of autumn at this point. So uh, as the, 
as the sun starts to set, what are you guys doing? Well, I think uh, Pine is trying to figure out a way to maybe, I don't know, lure out the uh, the fallen heaven. So he's probably just shouting out things like, oh, man, I do so hate the Empire. Um, <laughs> uh, and things like that. I don't know. He's got no leads. He's just he's wandering north at this point. I like it. I don't think any of us have leads. <laughs> The only lead you guys have is north. That's really the only lead, lead that you have. Well, and I suppose with the with the sun setting and night about to set upon us, we perhaps should take a moment to set up some sort of a camp. Agreed. Agreed. <sighs> I can't march like I used to. Do a lot of marching in your younger days? Oh, <laughs> well, for a little bit, yes, but then I rode a lot as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Evie, you would know this area. You've spent a lot of time out here in the woods. So mm-hmm. um, you're still kind of in your stomping grounds. You guys start looking around for a nice place to camp, uh, to set up some, you know, it's a place where there's some fresh water, which is not too difficult up here. You get a lot of runoff coming out of the mountains. Um, but with the, all these trees, it does get dark relatively quickly. So you guys start looking around for a spot. Um, kind of what are you looking for as far as a, a camping spot? You know, Evie doesn't really sleep, so... A flat, smooth piece of ground never was much of a concern for him, but I think he's particularly cognizant right now of his companions and the fact that they need to actually rest. And so he's trying to find some place that looks like it might be soft and a place that might be, you know, kind of comfortable to to bed down for the night. Does any of this look suitable to you, Pine? Pine would be looking for um, soft earth or um, some some um, underbrush, things that could cushion um, sleeping, uh, as well as shelter overhead in case we got some rain or too much dew. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd be looking for. And I think Nari would be more concerned about making sure no one's following them. So just something that kind of has good sight of, like, the road, but is a little bit hidden. Okay. And uh, just remember um, that uh, you guys, when you left Tabory, you had a writ uh, from the adjudicator himself for Roos to leave. But um, thanks to having a friend at the gate, um, Bert, you were all able to leave, even though the writ was only for one person. Um, And as I recall, Pine, he did inform you that he was sticking his neck out for you. Yes. Okay, so as you guys are looking for a spot, and uh, Nari, as you're looking behind you and making sure nobody's following you, I need everyone to make perception checks. All right, I am rolling perception now. Or you can roll investigation if you'd rather in order to uh, find a spot. I'm going to keep the 22. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Nari got an 8. Big strong 11 from Ebby. I got an 8 as well. An eight as well. Okay, so Pine, you're looking for a nice spot to to bed down for the night. You actually find one not too far off the road um, with your 22. That, I believe that is a natural 20. We don't normally treat natural 20s as auto successes, but I mean, it's pretty dang good. Um, everybody else is kind of, um, I think, Ebby is, um, golly, I don't know why Ebby would not be able to find a better spot. I think you're, I think, well, I think Ebby is just so used to just literally stopping where he is and just yeah. kind of stopping. And so, so finding a place to bed down for, you know, uh, organic bodies is, uh, is kind of new to him. Um, 
Pine and Abby hadn't been on many camping trips, it doesn't sound like, uh, since they've been friends. Uh, but Pine finds a nice spot. And with that, with that 22, you also, as you are starting to like uh, pitch tents and get a little ring for a fire, you, um, Pine, you notice uh, a sound coming from further up the trail. So I should explain a little bit better. As you left Tabory, um, the road going up towards Mount Tabor quite quickly, like within a mile or two, became basically like a, uh, a five foot wide track is all it is. Or maybe a, maybe a little bit wider, big enough for like a small wagon to go up and up and down, but it's not any kind of thoroughfare. Um, you know that some people use this trail to go up and look for ruins. Some people use this trail to go through the mountains to get to other places like some other countries like Doline or um, the other country, the other, the free city up here which uh, is called uh, uh, Valkenar. Okay, so sometimes people will actually go through the mountains to get to Valkenar, which is a free city, or they'll go through the mountains to get to Doline, which is basically a country that is uh, on the other, the the west side of this mountain range. So Doline is their national anthem, Doline. No. Doline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming, and uh, I, I thought for sure that I would be the one to do that, but yes, no, Doline, Doline. Hey, dear listeners, Paul and I are identical twins. We often think a lot alike. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you do hear, you hear some noise coming from down, coming from up uh, further north as it comes down this dirt track. What does it sound, does it sound like um, maybe like a cart or does it sound like some kind of a creature, something that it could sound, be dangerous? You, you hear like heavy footfalls. So it doesn't sound like a person, but it sounds like a, almost a slow plodding footfall. I'll do the uh, the whole like special forces raise my fists. Everybody stops. I'm like, oh, I hear something. Something's further up the trail. Be wary. I don't hear any metal, like any the sound of buckles or anything. So it wouldn't be like a horse. Well, I mean, I, you know, I guess yeah. With a twenty, you would hear like some creaking of you know some some leather straps. You might okay. hear like a little of a a little um, maybe some metal something metal something hard hitting something else but it's it's fairly rhythmic you know what i mean it's yeah. so, something is moving at a slow pace so everybody has been warned now that something is coming i'm gonna without saying anything to anyone i'm just gonna try and slip into the the brush and the the foliage around me and okay. hide why don't you make a hide uh, a stealth check <laughs> i'm not very successful i rolled a three and got an eight you immediately, as you turn to go and hide, you jab yourself in the eye with a, a low-hanging branch, and you can't help but let out a curse. <laughs> Cracking crystals. But you, you still, you still try to hide. Okay, uh, anybody else? I just think we all should hide. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll also attempt to kind of find a spot off the trail. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, everybody's everybody make hide checks then. I rolled a nineteen on myself. I rolled a three. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're holding down the fort for us, Pine, you know? Uh, <laughs> the old man with it, walking with a cane disappears. All right. How did Nari do? Uh, 11. 11. Okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, I, I think what happens is Ebby just kind of ducks behind a tree, but the last little bit of sunlight just is shining right off your dome and you don't even realize it. So you're just <laughs> like a beacon hiding in the woods, right? Um, as you are hiding there, waiting to see what's coming down the road, uh, eventually you see that there is a, there's some lamp light that kind of pr uh, 
proceeds along before whatever's coming down the road. And you see eventually this large shambling, uh, basically it looks like a big, like woolly ox. You know, like those oxes that have the hair that like hangs all the way down to the ground, you know, mm-hmm. almost like a, I guess it's almost like a bantha, but not quite that big. Um, it's got horns, not curled like a bantha, but more like ox horns. And it is strapped. It is packed. It has a, it, if the, if the ox itself is like, you know, six feet to the top of its back, which is a big ox, then the pack on top of it adds another four feet. It's just this massive lumbering, uh, basically a pack animal. And walking along in front of it, you see uh, a man who has a lantern in his hands. He looks like he's in his 50s. He has dark skin, white hair, uh, a white beard. And he is kind of talking to the animal and you, you see him pull up short and glance over into the woods right at the glinting light off of Ebby's dome. And he, and he calls out, all right, you can come out now. I, I know you're there. I don't mean no trouble. Harleel's whiskers. I didn't mean for him to see me. Hello, friend. I can see you just fine from where I am here. Who are you? The man turns to look at you and says, you're you're all wrapped up like a bed one right now, right? Yeah, for the most part. Okay. He looks like, oh, I I didn't mean to startle you. I'm Gerard, and I'm a I'm just a trader, just looking to get to Tabury as soon as I can. I think my accent totally changed. I don't know what my accent's supposed to be. <laughs> anyway, that's his <laughs> accent now. He kind of looks like if um, Morgan Freeman were a little bit younger and slightly chubby. Got it. Well, uh, you are on the route to Tabury, but I fear that you may not reach it in time. Uh, if your goal is to be there before sunset, uh, you're perhaps a few hours yet away, and uh, the sun will be setting quickly. Ah, uh, blast it. Well, I was hoping to get there before before the sun went down. It's, it's not exactly safe out here right now. What do you mean? Well, oh, there's gobloids. A whole clan of gobloids has moved up into the hills. They're attacking anybody who goes through there. I was trying to get home, but yeah, I, I, I fear that the pass right now is, uh, is not safe for uh, one man alone. So you probably better turn around as well. How long has it been since you've been to Tabury? Oh, three weeks. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, are you friend to the Empire? He gets a kind of a uh, suspicious look. He looks a little sus. <laughs> and he says that I, I am from the free city of Valkanar. We are not imperial citizens, and we appreciate our freedom. And he kind of stops there and kind of waits to see how you respond to that. Well, friend, uh, I might warn you against heading into Tabury anytime soon. Uh, not a day or two ago, the city was filled with imperial soldiers who were searching for uh, individuals of suspicion for them. And it may not be a good time to enter the city. We do not know fully their intention with the citizenry. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to pass that along to me. And he kind of looks up at the sky and he says, well, it's it's getting dark. And he kind of looks at your campsite and he sees that there is like a tent in the process of being set up. And there's a, a ring of stones. Uh, it's already somebody's already made. He's like, um, 
Let me, I'm gonna make, he's gonna make an insight check. Okay, he got a 10. So he got a 14. It looks, he kind of looks around the, that campsite area and he says, are, are you, are you traveling alone? This is a, this is a couple, couple of tents for one person. Well, it is not just myself. I feel safe to tell you that much. Uh, can I make a um, kind of an insight check too to see if I if this guy seems trustworthy? Sure. Who a twenty? Nice. Yeah, he seems he seems um, like when you asked him about the empire, he seemed um, to have uh, a similar response to what you would have. Um, basically, feeling it out, and then his response that he gave about like um, being from the free city and appreciating his freedom, you you assume that he's no friend of the um of the uh, of the empire but you also notice that on his person he's not heavily armed he has like a, a short sword at his waist and he's not wearing armor or anything so um that doesn't necessarily mean anything but he appears to be what he says he is a traveling merchant got it well sir i suppose that anyone who is seeking shelter for this evening is friend of mine i am just a uh, a nomad that is from far apart, far away from these parts. Um, so please forgive my appearance, but the dress that I wear is customary of my region. I'm going to go ahead and step out from under the underbrush, um, okay. and and I'll kind of look towards the direction of like Pine and Nari and the others to see if if they're if they decide to walk out as well. Yeah, have I been able to hear all this? Oh yeah, you guys. Yes, this whole conversation because they are actually standing probably about thirty feet apart, and they're calling out loud to each other um, just to kind of keep um, okay. keep their distance in case either either one needs to run. Well, uh, Pine at this at this and at, having heard the conversation to this point, he'll step out of the tr- start walking out of the trees, and he'll say he'll say, "Well, I went to find some firewood, but." Could, couldn't find any death to the empire and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, make a deception, or I'll let you make a, a, a persuasion roll because the death to the empire thing. Oh uh, yeah, definitely persuasion. Uh, let's see, uh, that's only eleven though, plus five, but I, but I only rolled an eleven. Okay, well, okay, he he is startled as you come out because you were hidden very well. Um, anybody else come out? Uh, yeah, Nari will kind of step out and, you know, keep a hand on her axe, kind of just, you know, looking a little intimidating. Okay. I'll step out as well, rubbing my eye still from that that branch and just kind of like plucking <laughs> the last needle out of my hair and kind of look at him and say, I don't know how you didn't see me. I was muttering and cursing the whole time. <laughs> well, to be fair, I was I was blinded by the helmet that your friend here was wearing. Yeah, he's he's a bit shiny. I imagine that he saw some glint of metal underneath your underneath your your cowl. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so you guys are gonna let this guy stay with you for the night. I am fine letting him stay with us for the night, but I mean, obviously, uh, um, as is customary, camping in the wild, we'll need to set up watches. So um, yes, I can take the first watch. And I'll be, and I will be, uh, I guess my plan is, and I know we're not going to bed yet, but my plan would be to keep an eye on him while he sleeps as well as the uh, environment. Indeed. I, I'm happy to, to keep a watch most of the night. Pine will understand a bit more why. 
And Pine, I'm imagining because of what we've done, kind of our nightly escapades within the city of Tabory, um, we've discussed and talked enough that Pine knows that Ebby doesn't really sleep. Um, he kind of goes into like a sentry mode where he just kind of stays inactive and motionless and and he's he's aware of his surroundings. Um but he he just is a little bit more non-responsive. As you say that, Pine will pick that will pick that up, and he'll be like, oh, "Yes, this one here is trained so hard. He he, it it's less sleep and more of like a, a trance or a meditation. It's amazing what he's trained his body to do." I'm gonna have you guys make a deception check with the, with the advantage as you guys are helping each other out, um, and that is also well. I guess your your allies know. Um, know what Ebby is, so they wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But okay, so I rolled uh, I rolled a uh, a fourteen and a six, so that makes it, uh, with an advantage. I got a seventeen total, and I did a thirteen and a nineteen, so nineteen is the roll. Okay, um, we'll take we'll just take one of those. So uh, just because you guys gave each other advantage, but um, but you actually rolled a natural twenty. It looks like Jordan. That's great. Um, okay. So, perfect. As you guys are talking about uh, taking different shifts, um, you hear uh, this guy. Um, what did I say his name was? Gerard. Gerard. Did I, yeah, did I even Gerard. say his name yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And you see Gerard. He's kind of he kind of he pulls a pack down off the top of this animal, but he leaves the rest of it up there, and he's kind of patting him down, saying, "Oh, there, there, Porthos. Here, have some food." And he starts giving him like some oats and stuff from a bag. And this big, huge ox is just docile as can be. It's all. It's like a. It's almost like a really old dog. You know what I mean? And uh, he starts setting up his his uh, tent and. And bedroll for the night. So you named a bi- you named a big old ox Porthos. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't name a big old ox Porthos. Oh, Ger- Gerard named a big old ox Porthos. <laughs> so, wasn't he one of the three musketeers? He yes. was. I'm sure. Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. He was the Gerard de Pardieu musketeer. Ooh. I was going to well, attempt to say not. that, but I don't speak French, so it was not going to sound like that. <laughs> hey, wait, so Gerard Depardieu played Porthos. That's right. So we have Gerard and Porthos. <laughs> that is that, okay. Okay, that just blew my mind. That it's was uh, that's amazing. <laughs> and you know what? It's meant to be. Hey, it's the subconscious is a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys are here. You guys are setting up tents, uh, and uh, it looks like Gerard has a little uh, little role that he sleeps. He sleeps right up next to Porthos. But um, do you guys want to talk to him about anything? Any yeah, questions for him? Plenty, plenty of conversation we can have around the campfire. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to ask him where he came, where he's coming from, and what he's planning on doing in Tabory. Okay, so you ask him that. So he says. Oh, I was just, I was actually trying to get to Valkenar, uh, which is home. I've done my rounds and I'm ready to go home and take some of this. And he pats the, the pack on the back of uh, Porthos. He says, I'm ready to take some of these goods that I've gotten all over the, uh, all over the empire and, and take them back home and sell them. But uh, I can't go this way. I, I'm, I'm afraid I probably won't get home till, till spring at this point. How far away is Valkenar? Valkenar through the mountains, it would be probably about two and a half or three weeks if the weather's good. But this time of year, you're never sure. Porthos is, uh, has kept me warm many nights, and uh, the cold doesn't seem to bother him. So 
I just stay close to him usually. But uh, like I said, the, the pass is not safe right now. So you're just going to let it go? The cold doesn't bother him anyway. <laughs> now that's in my head. Beautifully said. <laughs> well, and you know what? I got to go back to when uh, when Ebby was talking about you know being in Sentry and, and uh, totally emotionless. I was going to say, except for his heart. <laughs> lump, lump. Oh, man. Okay, so... Um, okay, yeah, so he says the pass is not safe. And you say... What 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 is what's um what exactly is making the pass unsafe? Oh, uh, there's a, a whole pack, a whole clan of of gobloids has moved in. Am I familiar with gobloids? You would know what gobloids are. Okay. Yeah, I mean, picture picture Final Fantasy two or four, if you will, mm-hmm. and when you leave Baron and you get attacked by things out in the woods. You know what I mean? Basically, the imps. imps and yeah, the imps, Final Fantasy imps, basically. Okay. So they have D&D, D&D goblins, basically. Okay. Oh, and by the way, point of order for anyone listening to this, we are playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I realized I never said that anywhere in any intro, but that's what we're playing. I was just going to say, um, with my time out in this region, kind of, would I have ran into those gobloids before? Have I known that they've been in the area, or is this more of a recent development? Um, why don't you make a... Um, well, you would just know. Um, no, this is fairly recent. You have not encountered... You've encountered like three or four randomly in all of your travels, like at a time, but just a whole pack or a whole clan moving into an area, especially one that you're so used to traversing, this is definitely a new thing. Got it. I want to relay that to the group and just let them know, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in these hills and mountains and forests, and, you know, I've, I've only ran into a handful of these at any given m- moment, but this is a rather new development. I uh, I have a thought. I look warily at the um, the merchant, and I just decide to say it anyway. And I say, "Well, if I were trying to hide out somewhere, I would spread a similar rumor. So it's either real gobloids or a ruse to." keep people off their tracks. And then I'll ask the merchant. So Gerard, did you actually see any gobloids while you were traveling through? So he looks slightly confused at what you're saying. And he says, Oh, uh, no, I, I did not, but I I heard their calls. Mm. I heard their calls and I saw some of their, some of their signs, some of their totems that they leave their, their skulls on sticks and their, um, their other, uh, talismans that they leave behind did you um did you run into any other people on the way we actually uh, we're looking for a contact of ours who came up this way um have you did you run into anybody else up on your way oh no the the road has been fairly empty in fact i actually on my way up here originally i was i was notified by uh somebody else coming the other way saying not to go up here so um, I have not seen any gobloids, but I've been warned that they're up there. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I turned around. I could hear their horns at night. Perhaps this is something that we should do a bit more uh, investigating upon. It seems like a solid lead, yes. He looks very. He looks a little incredulous, like, well, you're actually going after them? Oh, friend of us, Nari, how do you feel about 
confronting some gobloids. I have no problem checking out the situation and seeing what's going on in the hills. Well, all right. Uh, uh, you, if you if you need anything, um, you know, I I might be able to, you know, sell you some some of my goods if that might help you in your quest. I guess. Well, sounds wonderful. What what um what kind of wares do you peddle? I have various things. I have tents and sleeping bags. I have jewels and gems. I've got potions. I've even got a few weapons. Ooh. Although it looks like you guys don't need any of those. <laughs> what sorts of potions have you got, sir? Uh, let's see. What sorts of potions does he have indeed? I am going to... If I can find it, I apologize. I am looking... There it is. Boom. Never apologize, Paul. Own it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I farted. Jealous. (laughs) At least you owned it. (laughs) Uh, That was a joke from Saturday Night Live from years ago. So in case nobody got that one, sorry. It's it's an old joke. It was Amy Poehler. But anyway, okay. uh, He pulls out a couple of different colored vials. He's got a couple of red ones that you know are like healing potions. Um, he's got um, a random, uh, uh, like, a, uh, really, really bright red, almost like it glows red. And then he's got another one that's kind of orange that also is kind of giving off light, but it's different. Like the orange potion is kind of giving off almost like uh, firelight, like it kind of flickers like fire. But the the brighter red potion looks like the smaller healing potions, only brighter red like a solid bright red does that make sense what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. yep and then he has another potion that is it looks like water how much for the vodka <laughs> <laughs> He's like oh this this is not vodka and he kind of he kind of swirls it around and he pops the cork and sniffs it and puts it back on and then he, he hands it to you he says if you drink this potion i promise i promise that all of your problems will disappear Hmm. Well, I do have problems, <laughs> you know, with all the money. More, more money. More <laughs> as they say. I have heard that saying. He points to the other, the, he says, this, this one, this, uh, the, the brighter red one, he says, this one is like these other healing potions, although it, it, it's more effective, it's more potent. And, and then he, he picks up the orange one and he says, and this one, it's it's quite potent. It will uh, it'll give you some bad breath if you catch my meaning. Hmm. Or maybe you don't. It will let you belch fire. Ooh. <laughs> Did pick up on that. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure. I mean, I'm not sure who I'm dealing with. You guys seem like you're pretty smart. You're pretty with it. You know, Paul. I think um, I don't know if I've told you what I had for starting inventory choices. I don't know if if you wanted to know that, but. You know what? I, I trust you. Whatever you tell me you've got, I trust that you've already got it. But Got it. Well, yeah. So I mostly, other than those goggles of, of night vision, um, I spent the majority of my remaining money on consumables, specifically a couple potions of greater healing and one potion of fire breath. So maybe <laughs> we can... Maybe we can retcon and just say that I'm going to go ahead and purchase those three potions from this gentleman right now. Okay, fantastic. Nice. So that is going to be so. Okay, that's that's that is fine. We can do that. Um, yeah. So it's quite expensive. Um, so you buy two potions of of that the 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 brighter 
glowing the greater potion the greater healing mm-hmm. and then you buy one potion of fire breath is that what you're looking to do yes okay so that he, he uh he uh is he's a little bit looks a little skeptical that you'll be able to afford all three of those but he says okay well um that's gonna run you 450 gold i believe i have that here you have that much <laughs> you've been holding out on me heavy well yes i don't ex- i'm a light eater so okay because i've been picking up the tab for all of our drinks and now thinking about it i'm the only one that's been drinking okay i understand (laughs) (laughs) you still split the bill it's just polite (laughs) all right so you hand over 450 and he hands you two of these potions that are greater healing and then he hands you a fire breath potion excellent thank you very much he says now don't mix those up oh i believe you (laughs) anybody else anybody else interested in anything i might have for sale I've got weapons. I've got, um, I've got a couple of scrolls. He kind of looks through at you guys. He's like, no, probably not those. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I, I don't know if you, with your current quest, I don't know if any any of you, uh, any of any of the other things that I have would be of interest to you, except for maybe these these healing potions that I've got. Well, I. Uh... Left town without very much currency. I think I think I'll be fine. Uh, and he kind of opens up his jacket and kind of pats his uh, his saber on his hip. I think I'll be fine. Okay. He uh, he looks at you a little bit. Um, you can tell he's a little bit. Um, you've seen it a lot lately, uh, especially as you have been aging, Pine. You see the people um, that they underestimate you. And you see in his eyes, his under he's underestimating you with fear. Like he's afraid for you because he sees you as this feeble old man walking around in the woods with a sword. Um, but he doesn't say anything. But it's hard to miss, especially because you've been seeing it so much lately as you get older. And older. I'll just, I'll just, I mean, having, seeing it, I'll just uh, straight up say, you don't need to worry for me. I assure you I can handle myself. Oh, I, I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can, sir. No. I did not mean to offend. No, in, in my day, I commanded, I commanded armies. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I commanded infantry, mounted infantry, light cavalry, heavy cavalry, archers, siege weaponry. Oh, those were the days. Nari is just going to snort loudly. Well, it's true, Nari. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna whisper to Gerard. Don't get him talking about that one battle. Ugh. <laughs> so there I was in this one battle. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard whispers back to you, Abby, uh, and he says, "He says it was probably before airships." <laughs> and he laughs at his own joke. Don't get me started on the airships. Um, what, N- Nari? What, what brought you to Tabory? I, I, I hadn't really seen you around. Oh, I I just came to Tabory for a little bit of a change of scenery. Um, I can't remember the city's name that I came from. Ackerby, Ackerby. You came from Arkelby. Yeah, um, I was I was tired of Ackerby. Uh, it was you know getting a little crowded for me, so I decided to you know take my talents on the road. I guess I have a question for you, uh, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Is that Nari's real reason? 
Well, no, but like I'm being a little guarded because I don't necessarily trust these people completely yet. Okay, so I guess are you willing to take her at her at face value, uh, Pine? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm not gonna okay. I'm not gonna pry more than she's gonna give up. That's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, then no rolls needed. <laughs> I'll pull out fifty coins and uh, hand them over to the to Gerard and say I'll I'll take one of your your healing potions and I'll wink at him and say for the old man. For the old man. <laughs> he takes your money gladly, and as he as he hands you the the potion, he kind of pretends to fumble it, and he stumbles towards you, and he says, as he whispers to you, he says, "You gotta protect that guy. I think he's in over his head." And then he hands you the potion, but he whispered it, so I don't know if you want to try to listen to what he said, Pine. You sense that there's something going on there, but you didn't actually hear what he said. I don't think, unless you want to try. Well, so so Pine has his uh, he has his um, some reading glasses and he's kind of pulling out a book to read and he has his glasses on and he starts patting his pockets and he says, "No, no, where did I set my glasses?" <laughs> oh, see, I thought you were going to say he pulls out a horn and sticks it in his ear and says, "What? What did you say?" <laughs> that needs to begin. <laughs> okay, the ear horn, yeah. <laughs> yes. a hearing horn. Oh no, doubles uh, as a war horn. <laughs> yeah, you, you stick it in your ear and you turn around and blow it and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, terrible no, I keep, no, I'm an old soldier. I keep my ears clean as a whistle. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then if nobody else wants to buy anything from Gerard, he's just going to camp down for the night. You share some, um, some pleasant conversation. Um, he tells you a little bit about his hometown, uh, Valkanar. It's a city up in the mountains. Part of it's underground. Part of it's above ground. Um, it's a very large city. Um, it's one of the the uh, there's like like there's other free cities around the world, but there's two really big ones. Um, there's Valkanar here in the west, and then over in the east, there's another city that's similar. It's set up in the mountains, um, and it is completely underground. And that one's called Gildazan. But um, they actually their native language is uh, I think I think it's called Valkanese, um, and they both speak it. Valkanar and Gildazan both speak that language because uh, they're their origins are kind of similar. Um, but yeah, he just tells you a little bit about his, about his city. He talks about how beautiful it is and how you guys need to go see it someday. Um, yeah. Other than that, unless anybody else has anything they want to say, that's kind of where the conversation ends. I would just like to ask him what his plans are. If he's not going to go through the pass, what, what is he going to do? He goes, well, I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, reconvene. And apparently if Tabry's unsafe, oh, I didn't want to go all the way east to Arkelvy. That's another week out of my way. Uh, I may head around Tabury and head south to Merida, uh, which you guys would know is a, a large kind of a, a shipping city on the sea there in the on the south side of Tabury, or the south side of the province of Arkelvy. Uh, I might try to find a ship and head out and go around into Doline. That's, I think that's probably my safest bet at this point, but I'm just, I'm just so disappointed. I was so looking forward to being home, and now it's it's weeks and months away at this point. You're not the only one who misses home. I understand that. He says, "Well, where where's home for you, uh, Mister Pine?" Oh, well, I'm assuming you used your real name. Oh, yeah, just call me Pine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Well. Uh, I'm originally from, and takes a 
deep breath. Collinium. There's, there's obvious disgust when he says that word. Yeah, he can, he can taste it. He, I mean, he can smell it. The, the situation there uh, changed for me, so we resettled in Tabery. Been there for the past ten years, or so, maybe longer. He, he kind of nods his head. Uh, we'll see how clued in he is. He nods his head. He's like, I, I think I understand. And if that is it for conversation tonight, then you guys get your rest. It sounds like Pine is staying up and going to watch um, Gerard for a little bit. And then um, and then Ebby is lump, he's lump, he's lump. He's in his head. <laughs> is that how it's, it's going to go? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sad alone in a lonely swamp or... Yeah, up into your pajamas and you right. use all the passing piranhas. <laughs> oh, and I did say piranhas to kind of rhyme with pa- pajamas, but anyway. <laughs> I know it's piranhas, but okay. Um, thank, the, thank the presidency of the United States for that pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. By the time anyone's listening to this, former president. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Well then, um, as far as the night goes, it's fairly uneventful. I need um, Pine. You watch Gerard, and he goes to sleep fairly quickly you notice though that porthos the the big ox the big like woolly ox um his his eyes never really close like he lays down and he's still but his eyes are open and you're not sure if he's sleeping or not but he seems to be aware of what's going on um but pine you're up for a couple hours gerard doesn't really move so then you go to bed and then ebby you continue the watch so, Ebby, what I need you to do, I need you to make a uh, perception check as you are listening. Got it. Uh, 11 is technically the first roll, I think, there. Okay, so 11 for perception. Um, so, as you are, um, as you're there, you, with all these trees around you, and and just so you know, the the road is kind of climbing up into these foothills, um, you should be into actual like um, hills and mountains here by the end of tomorrow. And actually, on the on the uh, the base of Mount Tabor by by nightfall tomorrow. Um, but as you're listening, it's kind of hard to hear just because of all the trees. They filter out sound and everything. But you do think at one point you hear a. In the back, in the distance, some kind mm-hmm. of a horn, and you don't think it's coming from south where you came from. You're fairly certain it's coming from further up north in the mountains. Could I roll maybe like an insight check, or I don't know if a nature check would maybe be appropriate to see if I recognize that as like a gobloid horn? Okay, um, you can make um. Well, there's no need to make a nature check because you know it's not a natural horn, right? It's not like a bellowing animal. It was definitely um, some kind of a um, a constructed instrument. Um, but you can make a um, an insight check. I don't know. It could have been Porthos relieving some gas. True. <laughs> <laughs> so I rolled a fifteen. You see, like the curtain of hair over his anus, just like shaking the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of billows out for a moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
No, Porthos is some kind of weird animal. He actually has a cloaca. He's laying an egg right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, you so fifteen insight. Yeah, um, that could very well be like a hunting horn of some kind for uh, a gobloid. You you in the gobloids that you've run into in the past, like in the over your five years of traveling, um, a couple of them have had like um, bone, like a horn. Um, I got yeah, uh, horns made out of horn. Um, that they'll blow, um, and that it, that could very well be that sound. But it sounds like it's distant. However, because of the trees and the hills, it's kind of hard to tell exactly how far distant. Got it. Okay, cool. You figure not immediate danger, but there's definitely something out there. Perfect. Okay. All right. Other than that, if you don't wake anybody up or anything, then your night continues on, and. Um, Gradually, you see the sun start to peek up over the hills. It seems like it's taken longer for the sun to come up because of the hills. Um, so when the sun does pop up, all of a sudden, it's kind of just bright and in your face. Um, the dawn is is uh, kind of dark until all of a sudden uh, the sun pops up over the hills. And it is morning and all of you awake. Uh, Gerard gets up, um, kind of dusts himself off. He makes a quick a quick breakfast of like some, some rations. He's got some like... Uh, nuts and uh and like some dried meat um and even has like a, a plum that he has somehow and he eats that for breakfast he didn't, didn't use the porthos egg what was that yeah the big egg from porthos yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys all eat the porthos egg it's a it's this massive omelet um by the way here's the deal uh we have chickens i just gotta say this chicken eggs from chickens at your house are disgusting yeah. oh yeah they come out. They come out of the same hole that the poop yes. comes out of, and so they're covered in poop half the time. It's they disgusting. Be, they I shouldn't say. be. The cloaca should open up to the point where like poop doesn't touch it. That's that's how it's supposed to work. Maybe they're just shitting on it. Well, <laughs> I, I think I think it's number two. Um, it's definitely number two. In more yeah. ways than <laughs> I just on. need to say, I'm impressed that you guys all knew the word cloaca. That's my vocab word for the day. <laughs> 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 oh gosh chickens are my, my son loves them loves these chickens i'm not a fan anyway um yeah so um after a breakfast of of uh you know a woolly ox omelet um he bids you guys farewell and says good luck with your gobloid hunting um and he as he's leaving he kind of pulls you aside again um Roos, and he says and just i i worry for your friend maybe he should come back with me no, he'll he'll be fine. I, the only other place he'd go is back into the city, and he'll just get himself killed there. Okay, I guess death out here on your own terms or death in there on somebody else's. I guess I, I know what I would choose. And then he kind of speaks up to everyone. He says, farewell. Thank you for sharing your campfire with me tonight and uh, or last night. And uh, if our paths ever meet again, ever cross again, I, I should... Uh, I'll give you guys a discount next time. How's that? Sounds wonderful. Death to the Empire. <laughs> Most agreeable, friend. Yes, death, death to the Empire as well. And then he he departs. You hear the slow plod of uh, Porthos. Um, and before long, they are uh, out of sight around a corner, around a, uh, around a bend in the road. Well, to let you all know, late in the evening last night, I happened to hear what sounded like a hunting horn. I'm guessing it was Gobloid. It was far enough away that I didn't want to wake any of you. There was no immediate threat or danger. But I think that as the day progresses, we'll want to be on our guard. It sounds like a plan. 
as Pine draws his sword and now will start hiking with his sword in his hand. Until his hand gets tired, <laughs> then he'll put his sword back away. <laughs> <laughs> this brave show of defiance for about five minutes and then... Oh, 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 oh. You, you you cinch up some of the bands and stuff around your knees to help support those knees. Yeah, I just mentioned that he definitely has multiple braces. Like uh, he has, uh, you know, uh, leather straps around one knee to like as a brace. His his uh, right hand is 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 cloth and leather, almost like a like a, a wrist brace or even like a cast. So he's a uh, he he uh, is um, supporting all of his tender joints. You're like the guy at the gym who is like in his seventies and he goes to what we lift. And so he's got like the belt on and he's got like the ankle ankle uh, or the, uh, the knee braces on and he's got like the wraps on his wrist and he's just all kitted out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then I need to ask you guys a question. First question of the first time I've asked, I'm asking this question in this campaign. What is your marching order as you head down this narrow track up into the mountains? Um, I will definitely take up the back so I can kind of just keep a lookout behind me and, and make sure no one's following us. Okay. I, I suppose Ebby could take the lead. Um, I'm not particularly dexterous, but because it is kind of an area I'm familiar with, it might make sense if I kind of took the lead, I suppose. Yeah, Pine will say something like, when I was in the military, we would always have um, a scout skirmisher troop uh, in front of us as a vanguard uh, before the main body uh, came behind. So maybe that would work for us here. I think that's a reasonable idea. I'm going to look, turn and look at Roos. <laughs> I'm like slowly stepping backwards like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I mean... I get the impression that Roos was raised in Tabory around here, but he's still a city boy. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Very city boy, especially from his time in other parts of the world. Very city boy, not outdoorsy. This is, this is out of his element. I'll look at, I'll look at everyone kind of blankly and say, me scouting. Oh, I mean, I, I, I could give it a shot if you want. You want me to? How far ahead of you guys do you want me to walk? Well, everyone looks at Pine. <laughs> We're a small group, maybe a hundred feet. I don't know. Okay. Do you want me to try and and skulk my way down the trail, or just walk at a regular pace? Skulking sounds nice. Whatever you're comfortable with. I'll second the skulking. Do we have time to skulk, though? We should we should walk. Just you know, keep our head on a swivel. Yeah, that's probably right. Let's whoever's in front though, watch the. You just want us to slow down for your knees, Pine. <laughs> it's just the one knee. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have famously terrible knees. It's just the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh... The other one doesn't bend at all. <laughs> and this one's wood. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll nod my head and say, fine, I, I'll, I'll go ahead. If I do see something, instead of calling, I'll, uh, I'll throw my friend Gigi back at you. Who? Who's Gigi? Yeah, I don't think we've met Gigi. She sounds cute. Well, she's she's my friend here, and I'll I'll like pat my my pocket pouch, and, uh, and just say your chest pocket, not your not your pants pocket. 
<laughs> yes, not my pants pocket. It's, it's on my. <laughs> it's on my. It's just above my my belt. I have got uh, big pouch pockets on my shirt on either side, um, and I, I pat the left pocket. And uh, there's there's a form inside the pocket, um, but Gigi doesn't poke her head out. Hmm. Okay. Well. All right. Well, how far ahead are you going then? Uh, I'll go about a hundred feet. Okay. All right. I need you then, Roos. Uh, you get to make a perception or investigation check. I guess perception check as you're going down the road. Um, everybody else, uh, you will just use your passive, but Roos especially will have you do your, your perception. The party may regret picking me for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's only plus three, but I rolled a nat 20. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. When you said regret, I was like, okay, well, here's the deal. You, you walk in, and then all of a sudden you run into some guy, and he stabs you in the face. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, okay. So, you run into another stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't see out of both eyes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, so then here's what's going to happen. You are traveling up the road for quite some time. You're about 100 feet ahead. Every once in a while, you know, Roost, you'll kind of glance back and you'll see the group behind you. And then you'll kind of go around a turn and you'll lose them in, uh, in the woods. Um, the trees will block your view. Um, is everybody trying to be sneaky? I need to know if Roost is being sneaky and I need to know if the rest of the group is being sneaky. If I heard something, I'd probably try and start being sneaky. But since we haven't seen much, I would just walk at a regular pace for now. Okay. Same. Not at a medium pace. Not at a medium pace. I'd say regular. <laughs> a very regular yes. pace. Yes. Okay. All right. So no attempts to be um, stealthy or anything. Um, but Roos, with your perception, um, here's what happens. You, I'm gonna. Uh, here, let's do this. Sorry. Let me just. Okay. No apologies. Roos, as you are walking along ahead, you see in the middle of the path that you're walking down, you see, um, it looks like there is a, a big, um, tree has fallen across the path. Um, and with your perception, you can see that it looks like it was an old tree. Uh, like a lot of the, the branches had already fallen down. It looks like it had been through maybe a fire like decades ago. And if you were just, you know, just seeing it in passing, it looks like the tree finally just gave way and fell across the road. But you see as you're, you, even from a distance, as you kind of approach the tree, you're about 20 or 30 feet back. You can see some marks on the bark. It looks like um, either chain or some kind of thick rope has rubbed around the trunk. And it looks like the tree was actually probably pulled over um, and across the roadway. Now, you guys being on foot getting over this would be no problem, but you know that um, a cart trying to get around this, that would cause quite a bit of a problem. So this is what you see. Um, you're about 20 or 30 feet um, from this tree. There's forest on your left, forest on your right. The road continues north, um, and it looks like it'd be pretty fairly simple to jump over. Um, everybody else is probably at this point kind of catching up as you're kind of examining this tree. They're probably about 30 or 40 feet behind you. Um, and you guys can all see that Roos has kind of stopped. What do you guys want to do in this moment? I would like to check and see if there's any like footprints or anything around that we can kind of see. Okay, why don't you make a, um, an investigation check? 
What's anybody else want to do? Ooh, I got a nat 20. Is that like a raised plateau on that uh, west side of the road? Uh, kind of. It's just kind of a hill. So it's not like, it's not like, um, basically, um, line of sight is going to be hindered uh, while you're in here because of the size of the trees and everything and all the bush and the undergrowth. So we're not going to get too torn up about like um, elevation changes. It's just difficult to see too far off the road. Like you can see pretty much like 10 feet to either side of the road clearly. And then back into the woods, it's harder to see. So basically if you're trying to make a perception check or trying to, to spot something or, or, or let's just say you're shooting an arrow into the woods, it's going to be a disadvantage because of all of the, all of the cover that's that's that the trees are giving if that makes any got it yeah i think what i'd like to do is maybe as we approach i may faint towards that hill a little bit and okay. try to see if i can't get some higher ground to have a better vantage point of the roadway okay yeah not a problem so you kind of head off that direction um nari you um you kind of when you see Roos stop you look down at the ground and instantly just your eyes focus and you see um, what looks like a bunch of small footprints in the kind of the soft, wet earth. It hasn't been raining a lot lately, but it is still that time of year where where we get a lot of moisture. The morning dew. The morning dew. <laughs> At this point, it's probably about noon. So the sun is pretty high in the sky, um, like a butterfly in the sky. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can I tell like how old the tracks are at all? Like at all? How old? Well, they're pretty fresh because they are. I mean, okay. they're right there in the in the kind of the soft ground. They look small, like a child's uh, child size. Okay. As soon as Pine sees um, Roos stop, he will draw his sword mm -hmm. um, and and basically uh, move up to meet Roos. All right. So this is what we have. We have um, Nari is back. Um, kind of about 30 or 40 feet back checking out the dirt um, while Pine goes up to join Roos and Ebby uh, scurries off into the woods. So I'm going to need Ebby. Can you make a perception check as you are moving through the woods? And yes. are you trying to be stealthy? That's the other question I want to know. Are you trying to be stealthy at this point? Yeah, I do want to be a little bit stealthy right now. Okay. Uh, so an, only an eight on my perception roll. You want to make a stealth check then as well. Sure thing. Please be better than an eight, a 12. Okay. Uh, you can hear like sticks and things that you just, you know, you're, you know, nature and yet still something you think it's probably all the, the cloaks and things that you're wearing. They kind of just get, they get caught up sometimes. And so like, you're kind of slipping through where you think you're going to be able to slide through and uh, not make any noise. And then the cloak just kind of grabs a little branch and you hear a little crack, but it's not too terribly loud. Um, and you feel like, if somebody was going to notice anybody, it's the two jokers standing right in the middle of the road um, or Nari uh, standing further back looking at the ground. Um, okay. I am going to have Roos and Pine and Nari just make perception checks with disadvantage, please. All right. Uh, oh, well, it could have been a 22, but it's only a nine for Pine with disadvantage. I rolled those exact same numbers. Uh, with disadvantage, <laughs> it's 17. 17. Okay, so here's what happens. Ebby, you get into position kind of on this rise looking out. As you look down at the tree that's fallen over, you can see that um, 
just with your knowledge of how trees normally fall over when they're dead, this thing was tugged out of the ground. Okay, this was not a natural, um, a natural fall. Um, that's about all you get. Um, Pine and Roos, you guys are kind of scanning around looking, and you are you are both looking to the left, kind of where Ebby went. As Nari, you glance over to the right just in time to see um, these small uh, figures come busting out of the woods right by Pine and Roos. And Nara, you have just enough time to yell out a warning uh, before uh, before we're going to roll initiative. Yeah, I'm going to shout to your right. So let's everybody roll initiative. All right. Ooh. Oh my god, four. Kill me. Ooh. I got an eight. What'd you get, Abby? Eight? Yeah. Let me erase that one. Okay, and then Pine got an eight. And then we've got <laughs> Nari. <laughs> and then we've got... Nari, did you get an eight? I got a four, <laughs> dude. Uh, I got an eight as well. And oh. my dex is also 16. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Well, let's make a roll. I'm going to make two rolls here real quick. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we got a five and a nineteen, and we've got a five in there too. So um, after Ebby, okay, this is what happens: these three gobloids come rushing out of the woods, and they're yelling out "gob gob 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 gob," and they come running at you. One goes to Roos, and two run up to Pine. They are each going to take swings at you with these curved, jagged rusty looking swords that looks like they were scavenged you know decades ago not taken care of and yet they still look quite sharp so Roos, one of them swings at you uh let's roll that again oh for a that is a i believe that is a 23 to hit oh that hits okay and you are going to take some damage actually you're gonna take quite a bit of damage you take oh that's maximum damage he gives you nine damage right off the bat i am bleeding Okay, and Pine, these two come rushing up to you. Uh, they each swing at you. One of them gets a 14, the other one gets a 22, and he hits you. So the 22 hits, yeah. Pine, wait, what? That's two hits? I said, yeah, the, the, the 22 hits. Oh, I, I said. Okay. Sorry, I thought you said the, the first one hit. Okay, and you take seven points of damage from this, uh, this uh, jagged sword. And now it is Pine's turn. Okay. Well, Pine is going to square off. So, uh, from what I understand, so since uh, Roos and I were next to each other, that there's actually um, one of these is threatened by both of us. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and attack that one first. Okay. With my uh, with my saber. Okay. So rolling. Does a 22 hit this guy? 22 uh, most definitely hits this guy. Okay. And then that will deal um, eight damage. I am going, and uh, as Pine strikes, he's going to say, "Why don't you hold that thought? Eight damage. You just get you get just about ready to say something, and he falls over dead. As he falls over dead, uh, Pine kind of follows through with his thrust and like this extra little, you know, uh, maneuver, and he's like, oh, oh, well, and turns to face the uh, the other one to the south. Okay, 
So now there is one just south of Pine and one just to the west of Roos. Nari is way far back, and Ebi is up on a hill, probably about 30 feet away. Um, that brings us to Roos. I'm going to do my best to fend off his attacks and disengage myself with the one and stand uh, with the one that's closest to me and come and threaten the other guy that was just south of Pine. Perfect. And so did, you, did I hear you with... say you're going to disengage? Yes. Okay. okay. So disengage there and strike at um, the other guy with my short sword for 21 to hit. That definitely hits. Eight damage. Okay. Plus. Oh my gosh. Uh, plus. Uh, so 16 damage. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is gone. So uh, he had just, uh, he had just hit pine. And as he's kind of, he raises up his sword and kind of goes, ah, as you come in from behind and just skewer him and he is he is gone he is down um and that brings us now to ebby ebby what are you gonna do i think i'm gonna go ahead and <laughs> rush down the hill towards where all the action is let's do this let's you said i'm about 30 feet you think yeah probably about 30 feet you can get there in, you can get there in one turn Okay. Well, actually, actually, no, you can't because you're moving through a lot of underbrush. So it's it's rough terrain. It's difficult terrain. So you can move uh, yeah. like 15 feet as your normal range. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you a move and a dash to get there. Perfect. Let's let's do that. And then I'll use bonus action to kind of pull out my the polished rod that I have kind of attached to my leg. Okay. And use my innervating strike to kind of get that thing charged up and ready to use. Fantastic. So you're just going to kind of be down here by pine then? Yep. Okay, perfect. All right. And then, Abby, after your turn, you hear... So before you heard like these, gob, 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 gob. And now you hear a hob, 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 hob as a... <laughs> <laughs> Am I incredibly stupid? I apologize, guys. No, um, I love it. No, I, I love, love it. it. It's okay. awesome. Suddenly it's you exactly see... what I imagine goblins sounding like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, they were going to say... First, they were going to say um, chub, chub, chub. You know, like uh, like Ewoks, jump, jump, jump. But then I was like, no, nah, that's too Ewoky. And then they were gonna say, um, what was it? Oh, I had it. Oh, then they were gonna say, dick, 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 dick. <laughs> like uh, like from Spaceballs. But I just yeah, yeah. Probably not that one either. Dink, 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 dink. I guess it is dink. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just Pokemon. They just say their names. <laughs> <laughs> Um, out of the woods come these two larger gobloids who you guys would know are called hobloids. Um, and they are usually, um, they're they're bigger, they're meaner, they stand more upright. They also have these big, well, not big, they have these jagged, uh, kind of rusted, uh, curved scimitar-looking swords. Uh, these ones look like they're taking better care of their weaponry. They're also wearing pieces of armor. It looks like it's like cast-off armor, you know, like they found off a corpse or something. Um, but it looks like they have bits and pieces of like chain mail on them. They're carrying shields as well. And they come rushing out of the woods as well. And what we have, we have one is going to rush up. We're going to go odds or evens. Odds, it'll attack Ebby, evens, it'll attack Pine. And it is going after Pine. Pine, you can be grateful that that roll that I just made was to see who he attacks and not if he hits. Because that was a natural 20. Okay, he is going to attack at you, Pine. And he rolls a, I believe, a 15. Does that hit? A 15? No, no, my AC is 18. Okay. Um, and this other one comes rushing out to get behind Roos. And he is going to now attack at Roos with his scimitar. 
Ooh, does a 23 hit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 23 is higher than 15. Okay. So here's what this hobloid does. He goes, hob, 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 hob. And he swings at you. He deals a whopping seven damage. Ouch. Plus, he has an ally right next to you. And so he actually deals a little bit more damage than that. He deals an extra 2d6 damage. Which, thankfully, he rolled two ones. So that's an extra two damage. All right. How are, how are, you, how are you doing over there? Oh, I don't feel very good. I, I have had considerable blood loss. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then that brings us now. Oh, wait, and then one more thing. Nari, out of the woods, an arrow comes flying at your head, but it just gets it gets kind of deflected by some of the trees and the branches. It's definitely coming from the same direction over on the right side of the path out of those woods that the, the hobloids and the gobloids came out of. Nari, it is now your turn. Okay, so I'm gonna move up a little bit. Okay. You can you can reach basically any of the any of the combatants. Okay, I can. Okay, cool. So I would like to help Roos. Which one is he? Since he's he's not doing great. Okay. I guess he can just kind of come over here and hit this guy. Yeah, attack the one that was attacking Roos. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and so then I will attack him with my great axe, and I rolled a twenty total. That definitely hits. Sweet. Okay, cool. Um, so then I will do 10 damage. 10 damage. Oh, he just finishes up hitting Roos and he's re- reeling up ready to strike again. And you hit him so hard that he like almost drops his shield. Um, he is hanging on by a thread. All right. Brings us back to the gobloid. There's only one left and he is going to rush at Ebby. Ebby, he is going to attack at you. Uh, he's going to hit you with a 13. Does that hit? That does not. Okay. And then he uses a bonus action, and he disengages, and he backs off here into the woods. It looks like he might be running. Pine, you're up. You've got a hobloid right in front of you, and then there's another hobloid attacking Roos, and then there's a gobloid running back into the woods off to to the right. Okay. Am I within? Uh, am I close enough to touch Roos? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to reach out my hand onto Roos's shoulder, and I'm going to say, um, Courage, the fight is ours. And I will go ahead and use my commander's morale to heal Roos for 10 hit points. Nice. Much appreciated. Okay, is that it? Yeah, that would be my turn. Okay, and I just want to let everybody know, including anybody listening at home right now or in their car or wherever you're listening to your podcast. I, as a DM, I don't like to know how many hit points my players have. So they can keep that to themselves. Uh, that way I am less likely to take it easy on them. I'll just play it like as I, as I, as I see it. So, um, Roos, you're up. You have a hobloid just North of you and a hobloid just East of you. I'm I'm hurting pretty bad. I'm gonna pull out one of my one of my crystals from my pouch and crack it. It's a sleep pellet. I'm gonna throw it at the ground right here. Okay. And disengage. Okay. Well, so so you're gonna use the sleep pellet first. So why don't you roll the uh, mm-hmm. the hit points? So 15 hit points. Oh, that's oh. That was a really bad roll. Oh. Um, 15 hit points. Um, starting with the hit points of the lowest. Right. 
Okay. Uh, well, actually, then what happens is this, uh, the one who hit you, who then almost got uh, disemboweled by Nari, instantly falls asleep. He is out. And you hear more, less than see the gobloid who's trying to run into the bushes. You hear him, him just collapse in the bushes, and he is also out. But the last one stays standing. I'm going to back away as far as I can, yeah. Yeah, perfect. All right, uh, Eddie. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to kind of run around the back of Pine um, to kind of cover Roos's retreat. Okay. And I'm going to try to slot in where he was and I'm going to go ahead and take a swipe at the hobloid that's fighting Pine, the one that's up and fighting right now. All right. Yeah, the one that hasn't been hit yet. 11 to hit. That misses. He gets a shield up in the way and kind of knocks your your baton away. Your your metal rod. Dern. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and use a bonus action to cast Urdas's word on Roos. Basically, hopefully heal you for 1d4 plus 3 with my bonus action. Do 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 so oh cool. Seven healing. Oh nice. That's max, right? Wow. Yeah. Cool. But you didn't say wow when I healed you for ten. <laughs> I said thank you. Okay, I said okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> yeah, well, you should, and if anything, he said thank you because he expected it of you. He's saying wow because he didn't expect Ebby to, to ever heal him. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's the Hobloid's turn. He's in a little bit of a of a, uh, a bloodlust at this point. He is going to swing at odds it is uh, Pine and evens it's Ebby. Pine, he is swinging at you. He is going to try to hit you with, it looks like a big old 18. Does that hit? That is my AC. That is your AC. And he deals a whopping, no oh, max damage, nine damage to you with his uh, scimitar. He looks to try to hit you more, like try to deal some more damage. And then he glances over to his friend who is sleeping on the ground and, and realizes that his ally is no longer threatening anybody. So he doesn't get that extra bit of damage. So no extra 2d6 on this round. That's good because I'm <laughs> that, that was a big hit. Okay, and I'm just going to make a quick uh, kind of will save. Well, uh, wisdom, not will save. I'll just see how committed he is to dying for this. Um, oh, he's in it. He is in it. He <laughs> is in a fervor. All right, Nari, you are up. What are you doing? Um, so I'm going to come around and attack the one who's still standing, who's not sleeping. Um, I'm going to attack him with my great axe and I rolled an 11 to hit. That misses. He is, he's just flailing around and he manages to get the shield up and, and uh, knock your axe aside. Now with your sleep pellets, Roos, they don't get a save, right? They're out until somebody wakes them up, right? Are they out for like a minute or something? It's uh, yeah. One minute duration. Okay. All right. Yeah, the gobloid is uh, sleeping away. Oh, I forgot one thing. We have um, an unseen attacker. We've got one, two, three, four. Okay, let's see. Who is he going to go for? Uh, number three, that would be Ebby. Ebby, an arrow comes streaking out of the woods towards you and totally misses, um, almost hits the <laughs> sleeping hobloid in front of you. That Now that brings us back to Pine. Okay. All right. So Pine is going to wind up on the uh, hobloid that is still awake in front of him. So attacking with his saber, does a 16 hit? It does not. 
This guy has chainmail on. Okay. Dang it. Oh, I meant I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked. Dang it. You shouldn't have asked. You should have just gone for it. I don't know. I, I I have an ability, but I can't know the result. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. We'll so. just have to get used to that. Well, that's my turn. Okay. Roos. I'm going to walk up a little bit closer and um, pull out a, uh, one of the throwing okay. daggers that I've got sheathed in my gloves. Throw it at the last standing hobloid. Okay. Let's see if you can hit him. I got a 16 as well. Ah. Uh. It, it, this one he misses his, it doesn't hit his shield it just bounces off like a pauldron or something okay okay um ebby what are you gonna do this may be kind of crazy i am i want to see if i can't like distract him in such a way that i can give nari a uh, advantage on the next attack okay so you want to get do the help action for nari okay exactly awesome cool yeah nice. you can, you kind of start kind of poking in not really trying to hit him just kind of trying to distract him saying like hey you person you you sack of <laughs> crap or whatever you say yeah what do, what do you say now what do you say Abby? <laughs> man i'm on the spot here i think he's probably spouting off something kind of like about nature and harmony and such where it's like it's only fitting that the strong survive and in this case it won't be you sorry to hear it and yeah <laughs> kind of taunting him maybe flicking dirt or kicking dirt up at him or something that was cold i mean that was cold i'm proud of you <laughs> <laughs> all right well here's the deal um you've been distracting him a little bit and it is now his turn so we will see who he goes for um and it looks like he is going for you ebby that's fitting. <laughs> yeah, you were trying to distract him. So, uh, Ebby, you are going to get swung at, and it is a 13. That does not hit. Okay. Uh, we're going to see how committed he is at this point. Okay, you can see his uh, his resilience is fading a little bit. You can see a little bit of more fear in his eyes, um, but he is still fighting to the bitter end. Uh, Nari, your turn. All right, so I'm just going to swing at him with my great axe. Um and I guess I have advantage, so that's really good because my first roll was a 10. That was a 23. 23? That's not bad. Awesome damage. And damage is 5. 5 damage. Did you roll a 1 on damage? Yeah, it was a 2. Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. I forgot about that for this character. So then, yeah, so then it would actually be a 13. 13 yes 13 okay Ebby, you are dancing around and poking and irritating this guy he turns around and slashes wildly at you and uh nari you take the advantage and you put you stick your axe right in the back of his head and that brings us now to the last unseen attacker you let's see one two three four one oh nari an arrow comes streaking out at you uh, that is going to be a 16. Does that hit you? My AC is 16. Okay, that hits you then. You take seven damage. And then I want everyone to make perception checks. Pine rolled a 17. Ebby has a 13. Also 13 for Roos. 15. 15. All right. Um, so Nari and Pine, you now can hear, you know, aside from the blood pumping in your ears and everything, you can hear what sounds like somebody crashing through the woods uh, to your right, running away. So here is where we stand right now. You have two dead gobloids. You have one dead hobloid. You have 
a sleeping hobloid and a sleeping gobloid who is kind of in the woods a little bit. And you only have about uh, 40 seconds left before you know that sleep pellet wears off. So I need to know, what are you guys going to do? We are out of initiative. Oh, that's, that's a copyrighted <laughs> music, Paul. Um, scratch <laughs> that. Don't do that. <laughs> and we all kind of stand in place and lift our and lift our hands. Yay. Yeah. Okay. We we do need victory music, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, hell yeah. I, that's a great point. If we win a, a fight. We should get some victory music. It should be music. that Scala song that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> we could just we could just sample that piece of, of, of music that I just created on the spot. Yo, you know, this is true. There we go. Oh gosh! <laughs> Every time we win a fight, my voice comes in with the do to do's. Do to do 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 do. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you? Uh, so I guess in in our out of initiative stuff, yeah. uh, I want to. Ebby's going to yell to the others, can you handle these sleeping ones? I'll go after the one that's running away. Oh, yes. Yeah. Perfect. And then I want to robotically tr- like reconfigure my body into a wolf's metallic body and chase after this thing. Okay. As one does. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As one has been known to do. In this case, I'm, I don't really care if I'm covert, right? So I'm just a shiny metal wolf thing running around in the woods yeah you you see ebby kind of transformed is that a copywritten sound (laughs) (laughs) anyway and you see this kind of brass uh wolf shape uh it's 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 obviously a wolf but it looks like a kind of a steampunky kind of statue of a wolf basically but you just go taking off into the woods okay so ebby is running off into the woods after whoever um got away what now does do wolves have kind of any kind of advantages moving through brush and trees and that kind of thing not necessarily they have a uh, 40 movement speed okay um so and i'm assuming i'll just take the dash action for as long as i need to to try to close the ground okay and then i also have keen hearing and smell which gives me advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on hearing or smell fantastic um, so if i can't quite see them i'm hoping that'll help me track them down okay awesome so ebby you take off into the woods um what is everybody else doing I got a, I got a question. Do do I know? Does Pine know if if gobloids or hobloids can speak anything but gobloid? Why don't you make a history check? Ooh, I actually can do this, but I got a six. Either way, I think we should wrap them up and keep them captive. Agreed. Ruth slowly puts his knife away and pulls it off of the throat of one of them. <laughs> Honestly, weapons, I, I, Pine right now is is getting weapons as far away from that, like just grabbing them from them and chucking them, you know, up by the by the fallen tree um, so that we can start tying them up. And Pine, you being the swordsman, every time you pick up one of these swords, you just can't help but feel just bad that these swords were so, just so just... Uh, you know, uh, disrespected. Mm-hmm. You toss them off into the woods, um, kind of behind you guys. What's everybody else doing? You guys have like 20 seconds at this point. I'll pull out some manacles and, and tie up the hob hobloid. Okay. So the hobloid has manacles. Yeah. I'll grab the, the one over here and I'll tie him up as well. Although I don't think we need both of them. So, but that could be some good leverage as well in questioning. 
All right. Um, you uh, so you actually have ma- manacles, Roos. You actually put the manacles on this hobloid just as his eyes start to flutter open. Uh, Nari, you're in the process of wrapping some rope around this gobloid as he wakes up, looks you in the eye, and goes gob 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 gob. He starts thrashing and struggling and realizing that you've got him. He's not going anywhere, and he just goes gob 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 gob. <laughs> I I'd like to activate my scarf of comprehend languages. What? Oh, oh my goodness! I forgot about that. It's uh, it's nice and you know like a purple color. I just it'll adjust it a little bit while I activate okay. it. I imagine it's kind of like Gryffindor, where it's like maroon and gold, kind of like purple and yellow. <laughs> I'm I'm picturing like a Scooby Doo ascot, personally. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking like a great big huge anime scarf that covers half of your half of like the half of your face and then like is trailing behind you six feet long blowing in the wind at all times <laughs> whatever image you think is the funniest looking that's the one that it is. <laughs> here's, here's an off question didn't mikasa in attack on time didn't she wear one when she was a kid like a big scarf yes yes that's kind of what i pictured did. was like that yeah that's that's kind yeah. of what i what i had in mind too when i was crying. every time every time i hear the name mikasa i think sukasa oh yeah mikasa, sukasa. <laughs> you know what i think i think of the brand of like dishware from target that's oh, yeah. exactly what i think of too <laughs> Well, no, it's like, have you guys seen that? Oh, so totally way off. Have you seen that list of like um, a 1980s um, baseball game, like Nintendo baseball game, where they tried to make American sounding names? Have you read that list before? Those names are so good. Are we talking, are we talking bases loaded, like Ford and, um, or some of the names? No, these are way better. These are way better. Like Roget Thornin and stuff like that. Just these random names like like Mickinellinary or something like that. Like they put in a Mick on the beginning and then <laughs> some random oh it's it's really good. Oh man. It, it does take me back to our to our basic loaded days. Sleeve McDykel, I believe, is one of them. Smooth McDykel? <laughs> Sleeve. Sleeve. <laughs> All right. At this point. The gobloids are dead or bound. There is a uh, hobloid in manacles, and Ebby has just taken off into the woods after some unseen attacker during the battle. Uh, congratulations, guys. You just won your very first battle in the Crystal Codex, and that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Woo! Yeah! All right, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this session of the Crystal Codex, and we will see you next time.